Welcome to the YouTube Creators Hub podcast, where we help you conquer the internet one video at a time. We cover everything from how to start a YouTube channel to how to make a video go viral. And now, here's your host, the one and only Dusty Porter. Hey guys, Dusty here, the host of the YouTube Creators Hub podcast. If I sound a little more solemn this week, it's not because I'm sad or upset. I want to say this before I even talk about what we have going on today. This may be one of the most important podcasts that I've ever recorded. The guest that I'm having today is Jeremy from J House Vlogs, and you'll hear me introduce him formally here in a couple of minutes. But we talk about a, a, a very heavy topic and situation going on in the YouTube world right now, even if it doesn't affect you directly with your channel per se, if, if you're not someone who creates content for children or that could possibly be looked at as content for children. I think this is extremely critical for the future of the platform on YouTube. Um, and obviously, it's very important for people who create kids content and for kids, most importantly, who need to have a place or an outlet where they can go watch good, clean, family-friendly content. And YouTube has always been a place where, yes, there's been the bad, the ugly, but there's been the good as well, the diamond in the rough. Um, and with that being said, there are creators like J House Vlogs who create amazing content that kids can watch over and over again. And you don't have to worry as a parent whether your kid's watching something they shouldn't be. And so I'm going to be sharing a petition down below. If, if you feel so inclined after listening to this conversation with Jeremy to go sign it and share it, please do. I would really appreciate that. And I know Jeremy and all of the, the children's and kids creators out there would be too. And I think YouTube will have to begin to listen to what we're saying. They're throwing out a very large net. And I just hope they can shrink that just a little bit. If you don't know who I am, I'm Dusty. I'm the host here at the YouTube Creators Hub podcast. I do interviews every week with YouTube creators, just like Jeremy, just like yourself. And I talk with them about their journey on YouTube in hopes of bringing out tidbits or topics or strategies that can help you along your journey. The main goal and purpose of this show, this podcast, is to give you some type of momentum, to give you some type of encouragement, or give you some type of relatability with the guest or myself as we, we converse throughout the show to help you continue on with your YouTube journey and to create content that makes a difference and to spread your message. We're brought to you today by TubeBuddy. The fine folks over there have always supported us. We are so appreciative of that. If you're looking for one tool that can change your YouTube work, workflow and ecosystem altogether, TubeBuddy is that tool. Check them out in the link below, as well as Patreon. We've got a ton of new patrons this week. I'm not going to list all of them this week. You'll get your time in, to shine next week. But if you're looking for uh, you know, a way to support the show and get access to our private Discord area where you can share your videos, um, where you can get feedback and critique from other creators in a small, intimate form, then the Patreon is for you. For as little as three, five bucks, you can get access to that. And I'm so thankful for all of you who continue to support the show month after month. You have no idea. It's not a very big amount monetarily, but it has helped me and my family and has allowed me to continue to put the time and effort it takes to make this podcast, this show, to be the best that it possibly can be. We have a, a right for freedom of speech here in America, where, where I live currently. I'm going to exhibit that today as is Jeremy, as we discuss this very, very volatile situation going on right now on YouTube. This could be the end of family-friendly content. I don't want to see that. I don't think you want to see that. And so let's hop into the conversation now with Jeremy, and let's kind of 
break it down to see in more detail with someone who is on the ground floor, had their feet on the ground, and, and they know exactly what's going on within this space. So go ahead, sit back, pop the headphones in, grab a cup of coffee or a, a pot of tea, whatever you want to do, go for a run and listen to this conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's conversation on the YouTube Creators Hub podcast. I'm so excited today to be joined by Jeremy Johnston. He is a father of five. He is a family vlogger over on YouTube as well as a lawyer. And I'm excited today to have him on to talk all things FTC, all things YouTube changing and, and everything going on right now in that space. Jeremy, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, and thanks for giving me an opportunity to talk about this. No, I, I've been wanting to have you on for a while now. I saw the video. It was going around on Facebook that you put out there, the petition. All of that's going to be in the show notes, and we'll talk about that, and I'll give you an opportunity to share at the end of the episode where people can go if they want to help this cause, which I think after our conversation, they're definitely going to want to. Now, I do want to preface this by saying this. Um, if you don't know, um, Jeremy and his family run a YouTube channel called J House Vlogs. They are nearing the 2 million subscriber mark. Um, that's that's really not why I wanted to have him on the show. Obviously, that gives him validation on YouTube and gives me, obviously, a reason to speak with him. And, and he has immense knowledge of the YouTube platform. But I want to talk to you more today, Jeremy, about what is going on with the FTC. <laughs> what in the heck is a personal ad, if you don't know what that is? So maybe start from the beginning. Talk about your experience with this and kind of what's going on and what the results may be if something doesn't change. I remember on the morning of September 4th, I got the email from YouTube letting us know that they had their settlement with the FTC and that there was going to be big changes to monetization for family creators. And as a prior attorney, I really wanted to dig in and understand more about what was going on. So I printed off the complaint and the stipulated order and started reading what was going on. And the more I learned, the more compelled I felt to talk about this with creators and really let them understand what was going on so that we can try to let our voice be heard. I actually was able to set up appointments with YouTube and with commissioners of the FTC. And, and again, that just really was um, compelling to me to say, look, there's something we can do here. And so that's why I've been talking about this with creators and trying to help them understand better what's going on and what the potential risks are that we're facing. So when you did that, when you went and spoke with the FTC, when you kind of dug deeper into the legislation and the laws involved with everything going on with the changes that YouTube were, uh, you know, was proposing, what were some of the most alarming things that that really sh stuck out to you? Like, okay, because Jeremy, in, in my opinion, I feel like that YouTube and FTC are throwing a very large net. And they're getting a lot of things inside that net that they, they should not. Yeah, and there is a tendency to that. I mean, we have the history with YouTube with Elsa Gate and the Adpocalypse where they tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater and then we're left cleaning up the mess as creators. I mean, I remember I got multiple strikes for sexually inappropriate content on our family channel, which obviously wasn't the case. And so that was my concern initially. So the way that the regulation is set up is... Uh, the FTC uses COPPA to punish those or turn off the personalized ads who are making child-directed content. And what really has concerned me when I went to the workshop where the FTC was talking about this and talking with experts on it, 
one of the main things they're considering doing is expanding that definition so that child directed includes any content that is child attractive. And if they do that, then a whole lot more of YouTube is going to be at risk of having to turn off personalized ads. And, you know, that's the thing that I feel creators are most not understanding. And I'm not trying to just come out and be a prophet of doom and say, oh, no, you know, the sky is falling. I just want people to understand, you know, this is different than Elsa Gate and Apocalypse. We're talking about the federal government now. And they have in the past made huge expansions of the regulation of COPPA. That's how we got to where we are today. And they are currently considering expanding it even further. And the one mechanism we have to defend ourselves is our influence, and they are asking for feedback. You know, the, the FTC has this public comment period where you can send in feedback, and they were going to close it back on October 23rd. And I sent in a request for an extension. I said, look, we need more time to get feedback. I wanted an extension into February because, you know, all of these implications of the settlement haven't hit yet. And so a lot of creators, I don't think, understand how vulnerable they are. And I wanted us to be able to see that, to be able to give our response. They did end up granting an extension, not as far out as I wanted, but they gave us until December 9th where we can go and give comments. And so I've been trying to talk to creators about this and even inviting my viewers to say, look, here's the negative consequences of this regulation. We can let our voice be heard, go you know, sign our petition that we have, and go and send a comment to the FTC to let them know how this is impacting you and your concerns. So I asked a couple of guests I had on about a month and a half to two months ago that were, you know, in the, in the kids' space on YouTube, and I asked them, I said, so what deems a video directed at kids? Can you, can you maybe expound upon that and explain to me what in the, in the eyes of the FTC and YouTube, what, what is going to deem a video directed at kids? Because I feel like that it's so broad that, that there's really no direct answer to that. There's, there's a very big gray area there. Is that correct? Oh, it's a huge problem. And really, this is the more legal argument that I'm making to the FTC, is you're trying to use a privacy law, regulate content. That was never what it was in, intended for, and that's why you're having all these unintended consequences. So the, the definition of child-directed has no bright-line definition, no bright-line rule. Instead, they just lay out these 10 factors to say, you need to look at all these factors, and then in the totality of them, consider whether you are child-directed. The hard part, though, is that creators and even experts can't agree or understand the definition of each of the 10 factors. Like, what do those mean? So, for example, one of the 10 factors is, is the video showing celebrities that would be attractive to children? And so that raises all kinds of questions, like, is am I a celebrity that's attractive to children? I mean, typically when I think of celebrity, I'm thinking of like Taylor Swift or, you know, some big football star. But, you know, because of the amount of views I have, does that make me a celebrity? And where is the line? It doesn't matter how many subscribers you have or how many views or how many kids are watching. Like, you know, so that's just one example, but they have 10 factors. You know, the factors include the subject matter. So that raises all kinds of questions. We just posted our Halloween video. Is that a child-directed subject, or is that for a general audience? Hmm. And, and it just goes down the line. There's all these different definitions. And at the bottom of the line is what is your intent. And really, when you look at the wording of child-directed, I feel like that should have the biggest weight. But because the FTC is considering expanding to child-attractive content, they're saying, we don't really care what your, def what your intent is. You know, if you're dude perfect and a lot of kids are watching your stuff, 
you have to turn off your personalized ads as well. And so this this issue around the child directed is very concerning. I actually think it's unconstitutionally vague. And what I mean by that is, you know, in America, it is a requirement of the government when they pass laws that people know whether or not they're breaking the laws. And there's not supposed to be arbitrary enforcement. And in this situation, we're facing a penalty of over $42,000 if we misdesignate our content, but we don't even know if we fit within the guidelines or not. Okay. Now, one of the main things that we have to help us know what the definition means or how the FTC is looking at it is the complaint they brought against YouTube. They listed several channels that they were claiming were child-directed, and then they gave their reasons why. So we can look to that to have some guidance. But that isn't foolproof because that was just their complaint. That wasn't like a judge went through and said, yes, this was child-directed. That's just evidence for us to see, okay, these are the things they're looking at. But even there, a lot of the things they were looking at, I think a judge would not find are evidence that it's child-directed. So, for example, they said, look, you know, Kitty's Mama or EvanTube, you have in your description box that you are making family-friendly content. Haha, that's evidence that you're child-directed. And it's like, I don't think so. I mean, I think J-House Vlogs is family-friendly, but that doesn't mean that we're making our content just for kids. So there's a lot of problems around the definition of child-directed. So the concern for me is something that, you know, when I bring someone on the show, I try to do um, as much, I call it reconnaissance as possible, and I, I try to figure out kind of what's going on. And in this case, I, I did that as well. And I was watching one of your videos where your wife says this. She says, the worry that she and obviously you and other creators in that space have is that it's going to encourage creators to produce and upload more mature-centric content. And for the kids out there who, you know, maybe their parents hands them an iPad or an iPhone or an iPod Touch or whatever, and, and they just go to town watching whatever, the concern for me as a parent is that now all of a sudden the amount of content that I'm okay with my child watching is decreasing dramatically. And so talk about that for a minute, how it's now going to encourage creators to possibly produce and create content a little more mature than they normally would just to get past that regulation and, 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 and to not deem their content, you know, child directed. Yeah. If you are child directed, you have to turn off personalized ads. You're going to lose notifications and there could be a lot of other negative consequences on your videos and on your channel. So to avoid the regulation, creators, need to maturify their content. They're incentivized because now they're going to have to prove, look, I'm not making my stuff for kids. So the subject matter was a more violent video game than Minecraft, or I was including language that was inappropriate because these are all the factors in child directed, like what kind of language are you using? What is the subject matter? And so if, if people can increase the maturity of their content, it's a mechanism for them to protect themselves against the regulation and that's a really bad unintended consequence because now those people who were making bad kids content that everybody hates, they just have to maturify that. And now they're just making more bad stuff. And we know that kids are still going to be watching YouTube. But those good creators who want to make really positive and high quality family friendly content are going to be penalized because they are going to have to turn off those personalized ads. And again, and they may as well say, look, it's going to be worth it for us to just also make content for an older audience or just speak to the moms or just speak to teenagers because I'm going to be penalized if we make this where kids like it. All right. I want to start the next set of questions 
with this here. Uh, the, the, the small question I have is this. When, when does this go into place? So the stipulated order says that it needs to go into place in 2020. And, and there actually is more time for YouTube to begin complying than people initially think. Like in the stipulated order, it does talk about, you know, four months from the stipulated order, which I, I think it's four months, but it leads into that, you know, January 2020. But the stipulated order gives them additional months to try to make all of this work. And then the FTC has said they're going to come in after several months and then do a sweep to see if it's being done properly. And if they find creators that are misdesignating their content, so say they come to J House and say, uh-oh, J House, you didn't designate all your videos as child-directed, but we think it is. So boom, they bring a lawsuit against J House and um, and now I am needing to defend myself in court of saying, no, I think that our stuff is made for a general audience, not made for children. And, and what this is, so people understand, and I want you to expound upon this because you're much more knowledgeable than me, is that this isn't a case of where you're talking about having to go back and forth and with the appeal process with YouTube. This is an actual legal matter where the FTC yep. can come at you as J House Vlogs or uh, Dude Perfect or whoever we're talking about here. And again, the gray area to me is, is the biggest, the most concerning factor to me. I mean, is Mr. Beast all of a sudden going to have to start using more language in his videos or because I know a tons of kids under the age of 12 that watch Mr. Beast because it's remotely clean and it's really good content. It's really funny. So how, how you know, so with that being said, you're go then going to have to go into a legal battle, not just an appeal process battle with YouTube, correct? And it's not with YouTube. It would be with the FTC. With the FTC, you right. Know, the F yeah, the FTC could bring that complaint. And again, I mean, the other thing we're facing, though, is the FTC is considering expanding the definition, they are going to be letting us know what amendments they're wanting to make to their regulation of COPPA. And so when I talk about the fear that they're going to be making it, that they're covering child attractive content, that hasn't happened yet, but that is what we're trying to prevent from happening. That's why I'm trying to let people know, hey, we need to get involved. We need to spread our voice because they're considering doing that specifically, and we need to let them know that they should not do that. We should let them know that it's going to make more sense to pull back on regulation on creators because of all these negative unintended consequences. Jeremy, why, why are they doing this? Explain to my audience, you know, obviously we want them to get the bad guys. We want YouTube to be a clean yep. and a safe place, obviously. Explain to the audience of the show why this even started to begin with. So the, what they're trying to do, the purpose of COPPA is to protect children's privacy. The law came about in 1998, and its intent was to put parents in control of protecting children's personal information online. So, for example, if a child was going to go onto a website, they wanted to make sure that the child wouldn't be giving their name, their phone number, their email address without the parent knowing about it and giving consent. That is the, the primary purpose of COPPA. What happened, though, is in 2013, the FTC amended COPPA. They expanded the regulation and changed it in significant ways. And it was at that time that they brought in the definition of what was considered personal information. Because, again, originally, the law was set up so that children wouldn't be, wouldn't be giving away information that would allow people to contact them, like a sex offender or someone else who could harm the child. But they expanded that definition to include 
person, uh, persistent identifiers, which is like a cookie to say, look, we're also not going to let you be able to follow if a, if a child is using, you know, a device, if a child is using a website, we don't want you to be able to look and use a cookie to see what they're interested in so that you can send them advertisements that are based on what they're interested in. So the way that this relates to YouTube is YouTube can see what the viewing history is of a child. You know, say a child is watching Thomas the Train and Sid the Science Kid. YouTube can look at that data and say, okay, based on their user history, I'm going to recommend this video to the child, or we're going to place this ad in front of the child because of their interest. And what the FTC is concerned about and the advocacy groups who are, are bringing these complaints is they're saying, look, targeted ads or these personalized ads toward, towards children is damaging and harmful to children, and we shouldn't be doing that because that's a violation of their privacy. So that's the argument that's really pushing this regulation. So the actual premise of when this was originated back then seems to be fairly you know, unintrusive, non-invasive to the people that we're talking about that it could affect now. The actual purpose of this was, you know, was good in trying to protect children from predators and, and other people of, of the such. Is that correct? Totally. And and this is a big part of the argument I'm making to the FTC. And it's it's hard. I haven't talked as much about this with creators because it really is a very legal argument and it does get complicated. But I mean, one of the big things I'm saying is, look, the primary purpose, the original intent of COPPA was to put parents in control of protecting children's personal information. But what you're doing now with using the 2013 amendment to say that creators are operators, because that's what they're doing now. They're saying, look, we fall under this. It's removing parents from the process because it's not like parents are able to, to say, you know what, I'm fine with personal ads. I'm going to give consent to that they're going to be holding creators strictly liable. That means that without necessarily even have to have proof that parents don't want it, we can get penalized simply because we're making child-directed content or if they deem that it's child-directed content. And so my big argument on the, the other side of this from a legal side is saying, look, you're going way beyond the intent of COPPA and you're now removing parents from the process. And in fact, you're ignoring parents' choice. We all know, and the research is clear, there's no dispute that parents are voluntarily choosing to have their children watch on YouTube. A Pew report showed that 81% of parents allow their children 11 and under to watch on YouTube. So instead of putting parents in control of protecting personal information, you're actually regulating content in a way that is trying to protect children from their own parents' choice. And that goes way beyond the intent of what COPPA was meant to do. The, the law is not there for you to parent on behalf of the parents. You know, that's not what the government was supposed to do in this situation. That's not what COPPA is for. And it's not for regulating content at all. And so a lot of people get confused about that because some people are saying, hey, you know, there is a lot of inappropriate content on YouTube. We probably should have more government regulation. Well, COPPA, a law about protecting privacy, is not the law that should be doing anything around that realm. And so that's that's one of the main messages we're trying to hit home. That is that is so strange that it's bordering on the line of, <laughs> you know, my wife is a teacher, and you know it's it's preached a lot in public school systems, and I know you guys homeschooled that you know it's not the teacher's job to raise the kid, it's the parent's job to to do that. And so now it's it's almost like YouTube and, and the FTC is kind of getting in in like you know well well you know we know they're going to watch the, the the content, but we're we're going to kind of try to control that, but they're kind of reverse 
doing it in reverse in that they're removing the stuff that that we want them to watch, and it's kind of backwards, in my opinion. Um, can, can you explain what a personalized ad is? Sure, and YouTube actually has a really good site where you can look up like personalized ad versus non-personalized ad, and it lays it, it, lays it out really well. But here's the thing. A personalized ad is when an ad is placed in front of a user based on their online activities. So I gave the example of the viewing history, but it could also include what apps you're using. You know, and Google obviously has a lot of power and connection and a lot of sites that people are using. And so it can be watching a lot of the different things you're doing to send you ads. And that's where the privacy issue comes into play is it's like, you know, I don't know that I want them following and seeing what we're doing to use these ads. But the counter argument to that as it relates to YouTube is that, look, anyone who signs on to YouTube, has to, it, they have to claim that they're 13 years or older. That's the terms of service. And so for you to bring all of this up against YouTube, you have to be punishing creators on the premise that other users are violating their own terms of service. And that's where we come in as creators and say, look, that's not really fair. Like, I get that a lot of parents are allowing their children to use their account, but the terms of service are 13 and up. We shouldn't be penalized if parents are choosing to let their kids watch on their account. And furthermore, there is YouTube kids available. If parents really are concerned about these privacy issues, if parents don't want their kids being sent ads that are based on their interests, then they can use YouTube kids. It's a free app. It's available. And, you know, for me, I like YouTube premium, but I can afford YouTube premium. I don't want to necessarily have ads on my kids content. And not everyone can afford that. So that's another argument here of an unintended consequence is that this further expands the digital divide and, and is going to provide even less quality content for those kids from low-income families. Okay, so you basically did the transition for me. You were talking about YouTube kids. When my daughter Macy is watching a J House Vlogs video, it's always on the YouTube kids app. Um, I found it that when she, you know, and I have YouTube premium as well, when she was watching kids content and, you know, she searched for frozen or Elsa or tangled over on the, the regular YouTube app or the YouTube desktop, whatever, within three or four or five suggested videos, she had gotten to a point to where I did not want her to be. Um, and, and the yeah. algorithm started recommending things that I was not okay with her watching. Now the YouTube kids app, because of the way they vet the content that gets uploaded there is completely different. I feel much more comfortable. There are a few things that I've seen recently where it worries me a little bit, but talk about that for a minute. Like they do have the other option for YouTube kids. So not only has YouTube now sectioned all of that off that, hey, if you are a kid and you are watching content and you are a, a responsible parent, just give them this app. This is the one you only allow them to watch. And so why don't they bring up that point to the FTC or us as creators? I see that you're doing it as well. Why don't we talk about, okay, we already have an app that's doing this already. I mean, that is a major message I'm trying to send home because I think it is the better solution. You know, and YouTube did that to comply with COPPA. And honestly, you know, a lot of people feel like YouTube lost this battle against the FTC. That's not the case at all. I mean, if they would have gone up against the FTC in court, a judge may have agreed and said, look, YouTube has created a space for kids. They made the YouTube Kids app, and so people can do that. And, yeah, I, I, just, I really feel like that's getting overshadowed a lot. And the other thing, though, is I, I agree with the concerns you're raising, and this is something that I really want people to understand more, is I'm not saying there aren't legitimate concerns about what's happening on YouTube main 
with what you were saying, you know, your daughter going on and searching for Elsa and then it leading to stuff you don't want to see. Like, none of us want that. But COPPA, a law on privacy, is not the right thing to try to police this issue. COPPA was not built for that. It doesn't give the FTC the power to do that. And it's going to not fix the problem. I mean, even more importantly, it's going to just end up eliminating more of the quality content and making more inappropriate content when kids are going to YouTube. There are problems, though, even with YouTube kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, most parents don't prefer to use it because it has added barriers and there's less content. I mean, not all of Jhouse Vlogs is there. When you go onto YouTube main, you can do all kinds of playlists. We have our whole Halloween playlist. Or if you wanted to watch from the beginning, we have playlists set up where you can go month by month by month over the last five years and see everything we posted in order. As a parent on YouTube main, you can look at the viewing history of your child. That's a tool that a lot of parents want to have. I want to see what you're doing. And so there's all these added features on YouTube main, and it's just easier. I mean, I like my kids using YouTube kids, but honestly, most of the time, I, I just hand them it on YouTube if I'm showing a specific video because there's less barriers. Mm-hmm. And so that is a reality, but the fact that less parents are choosing to use YouTube kids doesn't mean that we should be penalizing creators because of their choice. And this, this is not the, the show to talk about this, but as you and I know as parents, we're, we live in a society where not all parents, and I'm trying to walk a tightrope here, not all parents care enough to worry about that kind of thing. And sure. that's that's a sad state that we live in, and that's another conversation and another topic for another day. And so we're now asking parents to police things that you know when when they're they're, they're not policing way more important stuff than the digital content or media that their kids are consuming. There's other stuff. There's other factors at play. And so I think that's a conversation for another day. I think you and I are on the same page on that. It's 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 weird. Well, not let weird. Me, let me just speak to that. I want to just speak to it real quick. Because- Go ahead. You know, this is one of the big complaints that I'm hearing from people is like, look, I'm really happy that this COPPA regulation might be getting rid of some of the inappropriate stuff. I personally, as a parent, am glad that there are limitations on what can be shown on TV. I'm glad that, you know, nipples are not supposed to be showing up on billboards or on advertisements. Like, I'm glad that we have limitations like that. But here's the thing. Those limitations are not being brought about by privacy laws. It's a totally separate thing where a separate government agency, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, is doing those types of regulations under a totally separate act. So, again, I just don't want people conflating this issue into the content arena. And that's one of the legal sizes we're saying, look, I appreciate and I understand all those concerns. And I realize that there are parents that aren't going to be policing this themselves as well. But we have to stick within the law. And so that's where that legal argument comes in and says, hey, you know, this isn't for government to take over for the parents and they shouldn't be using a privacy law to start regulating, regulating the content that is on YouTube. And just so you know, and everyone else knows, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I completely agree with you. I'm just trying to bring up all points of the conversation yeah. so we can oh, kind I of appreciate it. We can kind of open this up so everyone can know kind of where we're at and kind of because this this is a very convoluted situation where way more people could be impacted than I think they even know. And so I think now that is the time to converse and to talk about this. Now we've talked about what this is. We've talked about COPPA, we've talked about the FTC, we've talked about the, 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 you know, what's going on with YouTube, YouTube Kids, 
I want you, Jeremy, uh, the owner and the uh, the person who you know, one of the people who runs one of the bigger um, vlogging channels on YouTube, almost two million subscribers now. What what would you suggest? What is your suggestion for all parties to kind of get what they're wanting to get here? What are you suggesting? And when you go talk to the FTC in DC and in places like that, what are you suggesting to them? My suggestion is that they should pull back their regulation of considering creators operators under COPPA and that they should give credit to YouTube kids as the place that allows parents that are concerned about privacy to allow their kids to watch. And if there are further concerns about inappropriate content on YouTube or online, then that's a separate matter that separate legislation should be brought up and dealt with that is crafted so that it doesn't infringe too much in the freedoms that we all care about and that it's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. Do you worry with that suggestion that there will come a point where the FTC says, okay, well, make YouTube kids the de facto place for kids' content and you will no longer be able to upload what you guys do over on the main J House Vlogs channel on YouTube main? I would be really frustrated with that. I don't think that the FTC will do that, and I hope that YouTube doesn't do that. Um, But again, I mean, the only reason they could do something like that is to say, we're completely ignoring all of the contracts signed by all of the users on YouTube. We're completely ignoring the fact that they claim to be 13 and up. And since when are we doing that? Since when does the government come in and say, we're just going to completely ignore them altogether, all of these contracts? That, That just isn't the right approach. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I just I think that it's important that everyone knows kind of I don't know wh- wh- where where they can make a stand and, and where they can make a difference. And for those creators out there thinking that oh this does not affect them, I think it does, and I can expound upon that here in the next few minutes. But can you explain why I think and, and maybe you think as well this could impact way more creators than they even possibly think now? So there's a couple reasons why people think they're safe. I mean, first off, they say, look, I'm not a kid's channel. And so they're ignoring the reality that the FTC is considering expanding the definition of child directed to include child attracted. So that's number one. Like, you, you can't ignore. I mean, they've explicitly said this is what we're considering doing. We want feedback on that. If that change happens, boom, way more creators are, are involved. Now, even some kids' channel creators, I think, still more secure than they probably should. And here's why. Personalized ads are getting turned off, but kids are still going to be seeing ads on YouTube. It's just going to be contextualized ads. And so some people could say, you know, I think YouTube is going to fix this, and we're going to be making just as much money as we were before. I think that that is a misunderstanding of how much money is actually coming in from personalized ads as compared to contextual. And and there's some background you need to understand here for that. See, TV for the last, you know, 50 or whatever years it is, 80 years, they have been using contextualized ads. These are ads that are put on a specific show. So it's like, I know everyone's watching the Super Bowl. I want to pay for ads that goes on that show. The, the contextualized ads are based on the content being shown rather than on the online history of the individual. YouTube has been crushing it and winning in the advertising game because of their competitive advantage of being able to use personalized ads. And that's available because the content is being shown through devices, through websites. 
And so you're able to say, look, we have more data about the individual that we can send advertising that's more directed to the child. So advertisers love that, and advertisers are going to pay a premium for that kind of advertising. Now, if you turn that off, the advantage that YouTube has, I don't think that it's just going to be a quick turnaround that YouTube is now winning at the game of contextualized ads. I mean, Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, all these other places, they've been doing that for a long, long time, way before YouTube was even born, and they know how to dominate that game. And so to assume that YouTube is going to come in and just start crushing it in that field, I think is very short-sighted. The other thing, too, that's concerning we don't have any data at this point from YouTube at all of how much money comes from contextualized ads at this point. You know, I've had more and more views on YouTube Kids over these years. It started very small because YouTube Kids just started in 2015, and then it's grown and grown and grown every year. But there's no way for me to look up and see what of my ad revenue is coming from YouTube Kids. What of my ad revenue is coming over there? So all, all of it is, is all of it is lumped together, Jeremy. So when when you when you see your revenue for a day, it's all lumped together between YouTube Kids and the YouTube main channel. It, it just doesn't break down at all whether it's coming from contextual or not. Like that's okay. not even one of the, the. And what was interesting when I was in with the FTC, I showed them a screenshot from my creator app of because it'll show you your revenue breakdown and it goes into the different categories. Like, was it a auction ad? Was it a skippable or non-skippable? So you can see that, but it doesn't indicate anywhere whether it was coming from YouTube kids or whether it was coming from contextual or non-contextual. So the only indication we have from YouTube is, Hey, this is going to have a significant business impact on kids creators. That's the wording they use to describe it. And they made such a big deal out of it. They're like, look, and we fought to give four more months so that you could completely change your business model to prepare for this. I mean, all of those things to me are a pretty strong indication that you're not going to be doing just fine with contextualized ads. And I know that really big creators make money in a lot of different ways. You can do brand deals and you can do other things, but this is going to be harming future creators and smaller creators who want to try to grow into this same opportunity. And I think that we should be standing up and talking about that, even if we think we're going to be fine because of our already built up um, audience. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm so excited that we're able to have this conversation today. I think it's time that we open people's eyes up about what the FTC and what is happening and it you know with the legislation people are so naive to these things and I think you've put out a really good video over on on Facebook over on uh, your law channel that that really explains it and and I really hope this conversation today the last 30 minutes have have been helpful I want to ask you this though Jeremy what what would you what are you doing in preparation for this as a kids creator and what would you recommend other children's creators do to get ready for the changes that could possibly be coming down the pipeline I mean, this is just, what I'm going to say is just additional unintended consequences that are bad, I think. I mean, so number one, there is more of an incentive to start doing more brand deals because it's like, look, if my ad revenue is disappearing in January, now I'm much more incentivized to do brand deals. And that's another hot topic right now. Like there's a complaint right now against Ryan's Twitter review on brand deals. And that's going to be the next fight we're going to see happening. And it's not like parents want more and more brand deals within the content. And so that's one thing that creators are going to be doing. The other thing, too, is you're going to have to diversify into other spaces. So instead of making our kids channel on YouTube, we're now having talks with Netflix and Amazon Prime. But the truth is, is I loved not working with the traditional media. I don't want other people telling me what is okay or not okay. Like we share important family values. We talk about our faith. 
And so if I have to now go to traditional media to make the same kind of content, I'm going to face those limitations instead of the freedom and, you know, the availability that I have on YouTube to do more of what I'm wanting to make. Um, but, you know, those are the types of things people can do. I mean, the biggest thing we should do, though, is let our voice be heard while we have the chance and try as much as possible to, to get them to reconsider. And, and here's the thing. As I've met with the FTC, there are several people there that want to pull back the regulation. There are several people there that are like-minded with what we're saying. So it, I would have never made videos about this or started a petition if I didn't think that it could actually have an impact on the FTC. And so there is kind of a political component here you have to understand. All of the big changes that came about in 2013, it was when you had all Obama-appointed commissioners that were primary, primarily Democrats, and they typically, and in that situation, they were going for a more expanded view of regulation. Now, in 2019, you have all Trump-appointed commissioners, and it's primarily led by Republicans, and they are much more friendly, typically, to the small business creator, to less regulation, to not coming in and trying to parent using the government to do that. And so as I've had these conversations with them, they're nodding their heads. They're agreeing. They're understanding the things we're talking about. And so it really can make a difference to send in a comment and to let them know our concerns. Yeah, we we can make a difference. And the, the, you know, a large enough number of people signing the petition, which, by the way, I'm going to have linked at the top of the show notes of this podcast. And we have a very large and actionable audience here on the show. And I know that if you guys are listening, um, that, you know, if you do feel the way we feel about, you know, what's going on on YouTube and the FTC and the changes they're trying to make and maybe the ramifications that are going to come with that, I encourage you to take a look at that petition, see what it's about, watch the video that Jeremy put out. It's on the petition page there. You can understand maybe even better after listening to this conversation kind of what it's about, the changes that are going to come to place, and you can too help make a difference and to maybe get the attention of the people in charge that can help make a decision to have them pull back on the regulations and put more of the uh, the, the decision on parents and people who are in charge of distributing the devices that the kids will be watching the content. And YouTube Kids is a, an outlet for those people who want to say, well, hey, you know, you know, well, my kid's watching that. Well, put them, you know, give them a, a device with YouTube Kids and put them over there. Now, are there any closing remarks that you want to make that maybe you haven't said, you know, elsewhere, kind of a podcast, more of a longer form kind of makes it better or more appealing to say, what are kind of your closing remarks in, in you know, concerning this as far as, you know, as a dad, as a creator? It's scary to stand up and to, to do something. I mean, Kendra and I really debated hard between us and struggled to decide to, to say anything. I mean, and the truth is, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm already getting negative responses from people. People are, you know, someone posted on Twitter today that we have terrible content on our stuff. A, a big professor on Twitter was saying, you know, junk kids content creator is now lobbying, you know, I'm getting negative responses. And so it's sad that that is a reality. And I respect that creators could be concerned about that because we were concerned about that and we are facing some of that, but I will take all of that negative pressure over and over and over again. And I'll take those negative comments if we can rally together and make a difference, because the long-term impact of what we're fighting for is worth so much more than those few tweets. And those few tweets 
aren't hurting me at all. I mean, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but it's not like <laughs> it's hurting me in regards to my business. It's not like people agreed. I mean, a lot more people stood up and said, hey, what are you, you know, why are you giving hate? Like, you haven't even seen their stuff. And so I appreciate the complexity as a creator with concerns of getting involved or doing anything political. I mean, on J House Vlogs, we've never done anything controversial because that's not what J House Vlogs is for. But I really do believe it was worth it here. The, the other final thing I'll just say to people listening, I've spent a lot of time this last month trying to lay the foundation that if you're willing to participate, that I've provided the tools for you. You know, we've made four or five videos that explain different aspects of this. And not only did we give the links to give your comment, but we provided talking points where you can go and click. And it's like, here's suggested talking points that you can use in your comment. And then there's all kinds of suggestions if you're wanting to get your viewers involved. Here's what you can say in your video. You can feel free to use footage from our videos if you're wanting to explain it to your creators. And then I have links for suggested talking points for the viewers as well. So all of this work we've done is to make it possible for any creator to be a part of this in a very meaningful way. And so I just really hope you'd be willing to go and use those tools. And if you have questions, like reach out to me on Facebook or send me an email. Like I'm happy to address people's questions because, you know, I get that this is complex and, and, and isn't a super clear issue. All of the ways that you can connect with Jeremy are going to be on uh, in the show notes. Um, I do want to say personally, as a creator, uh, more importantly, as a father, um, that I appreciate uh, channels and people such as Jeremy and, and the J House Vlog channel that gives my daughter, uh, you know, uh, some media that she can consume um, that I'm not worried about you know, her getting a bad influence or things that I'm not wanting to, her to hear or to see or to repeat. Um, and I think that it would be silly of us to just say, oh, well, you shouldn't let your kid watch any media or you shouldn't let your kid watch an iPad or, you know, there's a lot of really easy outs here that people could probably come at me and say, but I will say this, that I monitor and manage the amount of time that, that my ch children spend with media, and I'm going to continue to do so, but I'm not going to eliminate it altogether because I think there are some values that can be added from consuming content that's wholesome and clean and family-friendly, like the content that Jay House provides and um, other, you know, like Dude Perfect and one of my favorite creators out there on YouTube, and th to have that type of content that we know that we're not going to have to be concerned as parents as they're watching it is is valuable and it's important and i think that just as much as you know it's important for freedom of speech for people who create content that isn't family friendly which by the way i'm i'm okay with that as well i'm not going to let my kids watch it i'm not going to watch it but I think that it's so critical that we understand that youtube is a a, a service and a platform that is such it's 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 so I can't even think of the word to, to put on this, but it's so easy to just say, oh, well, it's there and it's always going to be there. That's not the case. And there are things that could change that for creators who have put their whole life into YouTube. Their full time jobs are to make kids content. And this could completely wreck what they've set up and what they've done for themselves. And again, there's a lot of you know, blowback on that. People have given me on Twitter and things like that. Well, you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. I know. I, that's what I tell people as well. Or get a real job. No, YouTube is a real job. Just like for your sure. job is a real job. And it's important for you to understand that just as your 9 to 5 job is what makes you money to support your family, me and Jeremy and other creators, YouTube is what 
puts food on the table for our family. And so when there's a situation or uh, something that arises that impacts or could affect your job, you're going to be passionate and you're going to come, come to the forefront with what you think should be done. Just as Jeremy and myself and other creators are doing the same for YouTube. So I encourage you to at least look at the petition. At least dive deeper into what COPPA is. At least understand what the FTC is trying to do here. Make yourself knowledgeable of what's going on. And I think you're going to see maybe there's some things there that you didn't think was the case. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on this show. Can you let the audience know where they can get in touch with you? Sure. I mean, if you want to send me an email, it's just jhousevlogs at gmail.com. I'm happy to respond that way. But you can go to jhouselaw is a secondary channel I have where I've been posting most of these videos. If you go over there and participate, I am responding to comments there. Um, on Twitter, we're jhousevlogs. So yeah, I mean, you can go to all of those places and in the show notes, I'm sure you'll have other ways people can contact me. And I also hope that uh, eventually, you know, Jeremy will share this with his audience and his family's audience as well. And so if we have some new listeners here, I really appreciate it. I'm not asking you to stay around for the next episode. I'm just really glad you got to hear uh, Jeremy's take, kind of a more behind-the-scenes, closed-door look of kind of where he's at on this situation. Thank you all for listening. I really do appreciate it. I do an interview with a YouTube creator every single week here on the podcast. Super excited about some upcoming guests that we have coming on the show. I know this episode's been a little heavier than normal. I hope it's uh, been educational for you and maybe a little bit uh, give you some, some entertainment as well to kind of know what's coming down the pipeline. Uh, and until next time, talk to you later. Jeremy, thanks so much. No problem. You've been listening to the YouTube Creators Podcast. We want to thank you and invite you to subscribe to the show as well as support us on Patreon for great perks, such as having your YouTube channel featured on the show and a link on our website. Until next time, keep uploading those videos.